0: On today's Blue Bay Insights, Head of Emerging Markets, Polina Kordiavko, speaks with Institutional
1: Portfolio Manager, Claudio de rose
2: Hi, Polina. First question to start with is a comment on how you think emerging market governments will manage the fallout from the crisis. Do you think sovereign issuers have enough buffers to manage upcoming maturities for the rest of the year?
0: Thank you for the question, Claudia. I think that looking at the sovereign debt sustainability, it's important to look at the liquidity. Here, I would address three points. Maturities coming due, the reserves available, and support from the MF. If we look at the maturities coming due, emerging market sovereign debt issuers have about 117 billion maturing through the course of 2020. However, majority or 75 billion of this number comes from the CMEA region and in particular from the countries that, to put it simply, can afford to pay. Countries such as Poland, Hungary, Qatar, Saudi Arabia account for a big chunk of that issuance. The second camp would be countries in sub-Saharan Africa, which combined have to refinance about 10 billion dollars. That's the area where we're taking a more cautious stance. And in fact, that's the region which we have been underweight since the beginning of the year on the basis of the concerns related to debt increase and lack of ability of certain governments to deal with a downturn in growth. We would expect to see more pain and possible restructurings in that region. However, that region remains a relatively small percentage of the overall asset class. The second point would be reserves. Now, the good news is most of EM countries have ample reserves to meet their liquidity needs. We have prepared a presentation which some has sent out earlier to the global business development. Here in the presentation, you can see that only a couple of countries, such as Bahrain and Ecuador, have reserves below their necessary liquidity needs for the course of 2020. And last but not least is the IMF. Today, IMF has $1 trillion available for, to support emerging market economies, which is about 25% of total emerging market debt stock. This is much larger in prior crises, both in 08 and in 1998. Yet when we think about the debt stock of emerging markets vis-a-vis their GDP, the number is roughly comparable to the number that we've seen in 1998, around 10 percentage points. So broadly speaking, we think that the debt stock is manageable.
2: Moving on, in your opinion, which EM region and countries have the most policy flexibility?
0: Well, I guess starting with the regions, I think Asia is a standout. Ultimately, Asia is the key beneficiary from the lower oil prices. It's also the region which has tackled coronavirus faster than other economies in the world. And we feel that China in particular has a lot of policy flexibility in the context of liquidity support for domestic markets. We've already seen signs of that. Away from that, in emerging markets, those would be the strongest economists. In the CMEA region, these are countries like Russia, Israel, Czech Republic, Poland, Baltics. Uh, In the Middle East, it's countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, Abu Dhabi. In Latin America, it's countries like Chile, Peru. In my view, the question is not only the ability to support, but the willingness as well. What would countries choose to do? Uh, Broaden the fiscal or actually maintain relatively tight fiscal stance? The other point to note is the scale of support. It's worth acknowledging that the scale of support away from China is likely to be lower than it is in developed markets. For example, in countries like Chile or Peru, while we might see a 2 to 3 percentage points of GDP in additional support, this compares to
2: high single digits for some of the developed market economies. And now, switching to companies. What is the funding pressure looking like for EM corporates?
0: Well, let's start with refinancing needs. In total, there are about $250 billion through the course of 2020. However, the vast majority of it is Asia, and in particular China. As I mentioned earlier, This is the only place where we're already seeing domestic support and domestic liquidity support from November last year. And in fact, if anything, coronavirus threat has only increased the willingness of the government to provide domestic liquidity. Let me give you an anecdotal evidence. Today, some of the single B real estate developers are borrowing on the domestic market at 200 basis points tighter levels than they were prior to coronavirus. This is one of the key areas, if not the only area of high-yield segment that we uh, maintain as core overweight in our portfolio. And from a business perspective, I think the areas that are likely to experience problems are airlines. I mean, this is the ultimate sector that has been badly hit by the coronavirus in particular. The good news is that it's actually the smallest percentage of EM corporate universe. It accounts for less than 30 basis points
2: on the index level. And if I could ask, What are your default expectations for this year and next?
0: Well, as a team, we have revised upwards our default expectations post the coronavirus and the oil price correction. Based on our assumptions, we expect the defaults to go from mid-twos to mid fours towards the 2021. Now, this is against the spreads that are pricing the double-digit defaults. If we delve into the companies that are likely to be the bulk of the defaulted issuers uh, or account for the bulk of the um, our default forecasts, those would be companies in airlines, mostly transport more broadly, some utilities, but here it's not driven by the coronavirus, it's actually driven by leverage. Now, you might wonder how is it possible that the default ratio level that we expect is relatively low? And I would say that the answer lies in two faults. Firstly, emerging market companies have been in the environment of lower growth and deleveraging or at least over the last five years, if not 10. And in particular from 2015, when we saw the collapse in the oil prices, we've seen most of the companies taking a much more cautious stance to CapEx and building up the cash buffers as a result. So therefore, the first point is that in a lot of emerging market Companies, we have already seen deleveraging in the environment of lower growth. So, entering this down cycle, we have not seen excessive leverage, which generally translates into lower defaults than could have been um, if the growth expectations and growth trends in emerging markets were a bit more upbeat over the last 10 years. And the second point that I would make is just in terms of the effects devaluation. We've seen close to 50% effects devaluation in emerging markets over the last 10 years. The key here is that it has been gradual effects devaluation. And on one hand, it allowed the companies to adjust their profile of their debts in favor of local debts. On the other hand, it also made them more cautious in terms of their projections and their capex. And that's what is helping them today face the, the current crisis. There is no doubt that some of the companies will come into liquidity pressure, like we have seen in 2008. But again, in those cases, even when we see the restructurings, we could expect a higher recoveries. Just to remind you, you know, in 1998, when the companies restructured, the average recovery was about 20 cents on the dollar. Yet last year, the average recovery in defaulted credits in the end was 50 cents on the dollar.
2: And lastly, to wrap up on, what feedback are management teams providing you on the economic fundamental backdrop for their companies, in light of the current environment, any early green shoots?
0: Uh, it's quite interesting, as. Um, <laughs> Thank, thanks to technology, we're spending a lot of time talking to the company's managements. And the feedback has been uh, quite disparate based on different sectors. For example, in the utility sector, we're seeing the capex is down, but the volume uh, stays pretty much the same. In the telecom sector, that's probably the sector that is the main beneficiary of what is happening today and in fact if anything we're seeing companies talking more to the government to ask them to get additional spectrum uh, as all of us are, are using internet and, and our telephones <laughs> to, to communicate. Away from that in industrial, and metals and mining we're seeing some facilities shutdowns. Uh, it's not surprising, it's a cyclical sector and it's likely to be hit. And finally in the oil and gas sector of course capex revisions have been lower but The vast majority of oil and gas sector in emerging markets is in the quasi-sovereign space. Now, when you think about these sectors, I would like to remind everyone how much they matter in the context of the index split, The single largest exposure that the index has is to banks. It's about 30% of the index. And again, here we're seeing relatively prudent behavior so far as generally, banks are running relatively high capitalization ratios and have not been extending their balance sheets over the last few years. This is not to say that, of course, we're not going to see a rise in NPLs. The second biggest sector is TMT, uh, and that's the sector that I mentioned that is weathering quite well. Utilities are about 10%, and oil and gas is about 13%, where majority are quasi-sovereign credits. So in, in short, we are seeing... Most of the companies taking some cautious stance on what is happening, rightly so, reducing their activity. But so far, very few are taking much more drastic measures. And as for the green shoots, I think the place where we have seen green shoots is China. Again, based on the feedback that we're getting from real estate developers, activity in certain sales offices are back to 90%, i.e. Uh, back to normal volumes. I was speaking earlier today to some senior officials um, and senior company management and some of the foreign companies that operate in Beijing, and they were telling us that in terms of work, it's business as usual, although, of course, when it comes to entertainment and restaurants, this is the area which is slower to recover, rightly so, given the cautious stance that everyone is taking right now in light of the co- uh, coronavirus.
2: Thank you, Paulina, for your time.
1: Oh, cool, thank you. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management, LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by BlueBay. To the best of BlueBay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. BlueBay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FC, only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer except where agreed explicitly in writing Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.